Hi, this is Bob Weiss. I'm the host of Shaking Your World. Cheers. Folks, good afternoon and welcome to Shaking Your World. We again are at the lovely Shakers in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and we are doing something today on the dark side of Milwaukee. Some of the stories from the underbelly, some things that just are not talked about, and we are incredibly fortunate today to have Cola with us who had some experiences in the early 1990s that really are a significant part of the modern day story of Milwaukee, Wisconsin. We're also joined by Michelle, who you may know as a researcher and a tour guide at Shakers. And betwixt us, uh, we're gonna spend a little moment in time uh, talking about a few things that took place. Welcome to Shakers. Thank you. Good to have you. Such a beautiful day today, isn't it? It's very, very beautiful. I appreciate it today. I don't like the height. I don't like the height at all. I agree with that. And unfortunately, though, I'm going to take you back to it's almost, almost the same time of year because that was May, I think, the 24th in 1991. 27th. 27th. A very, a very hot day. And um, one that made an indelible mark on the country, on the world, perhaps. And I want to go back, if you don't mind, to talk about some things with Jeffrey Dahmer. And I think that it really hits home with you in a significant way because you had attempted to really not see the big picture at that moment, but you had attempted to stop what could have been uh, part of his, his murder spree. So would you mind giving us a little insight into that night? Sure. Um, you want me to, you want to just ask and I can go or you want to? Please just, whatever feels right to you. Okay. Well, um, the day... <laughs> was uh it was if i'm not mistaken it, the next day was memorial day because it was a little bit mm. after midnight and um two weeks prior i had just found my father's people um i didn't know any of my father's people up until my 17th birthday and uh, it was like a mission that i was on and so um i was told that i had a, a cousin that was my age she was 18 I was 17 and I'm the only girl at this point my mom had two uh, boys and me so um, found out about Sandra who what I was going to see that night uh, actually going to pick her up and um, when we were driving it was me my kids father who um, I was dating back then and we have two children now eight grandchildren and um, we were traveling southbound on 25th um i'm gonna tell the story for for what it is okay um tina was in the car uh duna was in the car my kid's father was in the car and um, they were smoking marijuana um i was uh somebody who just always had a fear since six years old seeing it in my family and stuff like that so i had a phobia about drugs um but if somebody smoke around, you're going to catch a contact. Mm -hmm. So anyway, I thought I had a contact because when I was looking out the window, I saw this, this image from like about two and a half, almost three blocks away. Okay. And I didn't, I thought I was possibly mm -hmm. tripping, but I just wanted to make sure I wasn't. So I'm like, look, there's somebody naked down there. They just fell like, and they, you know, it was in their own little world and they, really want to pay me no attention, but I'm like, stop the car as we was going across 25th Street. And um, he was slowing up, but 
he didn't stop, but the door on the passenger side was it jammed. You have to um, get it open from the outside. Mm -hmm. So I let the window down. I jumped out the car, and contact or not, I don't know. My instincts were like real. They already real sharp, but the, with the contact, I guess it was just super sharp. I don't really know. But anyway, I jumped out the car, and as I was getting closer, the image kept falling, would slowly get up, and then would try to take steps. And then as I got close, clearly it was really a person. It was a male, and he was hurt, and he needed some help. So at this point, I'm talking, and I'm like, are you okay? And he, you know, he reached for me like a child, you know? And I can say it like that because that's how my grandbabies, that's how my babies would come and stretch out to me, and I would get them. So when he seen me, it was just a look of, a look of just, okay, you know, like a good look. And when he got close, he just went, and I went down with him. We went to the ground together, and I was like, are you, are you, like, are you okay? What happened? And he, he just couldn't talk. He was sweating, like, their bullets, bad, just terrible. So my mind is just racing. I'm thinking it's a gang initiation. I'm thinking, like, somebody um, just did them wrong in some form or fashion, but regardless, he needs some help. So after speaking to him for maybe about three minutes, Tina decided to come to see what was going on. So I saw Tina walking up. So I had made up my mind. I saw this phone uh, booth across the street, mm -hmm. a little bit down. So I said, okay, in my mind, like when Tina come, I'll just go and make this 911 call. Okay. So I'm still talking to him, asking him questions, but he, again, he incoherent, he couldn't, he never said anything but reach and was holding me as if, you know, he just didn't want me to leave. And, and, and so that's, I, I'm like, I'm gonna get him help. So when Tina got near, I said, Tina, stay with him. I'm gonna go call 911. So Tina, she was like, ah, oh, too, like, oh my God, like, what, did he say anything? I said, he said anything. So I'm talking, I'm like, okay, I'm going cross street. I go run cross street. I dial 911, hi, coach is on 25th State. Okay, hi, um, this, um, I'm on 25th State, and this is young man, he is butt naked, he has been beaten up, he is very bruised up. He can't stand, he's study fall out, he has, he is butt naked, he has no clothes on, he is really hurt. And I, you know, I ain't got no corner on him. I just seen him, and he needs some help. Where's he at? On 25th Estate, the corner of 25th Estate. And then as I'm on the phone with the 911 operator, I'm study looking because I'm seeing a, a man walking toward Tina and Conrad, but I don't know who he is. But I'm just wondering is, if he coming to help us. You know, okay, that'd be nice. But when he came, he uh, was kind of aggressive and was in a rush to just gather them and just take them and had no regard to how he was handling. So I'm on the phone, I even said this part on the phone, but it was cut for some reason. I said, well, some, some man trying to take him away. And they said, well, don't let him take him away. Someone's on the way. So when I got across the street and I was just listening for a few minutes and he was like acting like he knew him. He was like, pull yourself together, Jim. And then a, a few moments later, he said another name, John. And then he was just talking, and it just really wasn't making sense. So I said, excuse me, I dial now one help is on the way. So you would think a person would be like, oh, okay, but he shouldn't have been handled like that anyway. But you would think that would make him be like, okay, great, because, yeah, he needs some help. But he, that made him even more so fixated on trying to take him. So I guess he felt because me and Tina were females, that he could probably just bamboozle and just kind of rough us or scare us or just, I don't know, make us feel like 
y'all, we need to go. He's like, well, I got this. He's my friend. He's okay. Y'all could go along. I got him. I'm going to take him back. He left, wandered off. I went to, to the store. The, and I'm still like, well, what's his name? Because he not responding and he's kind of like being like standoffish with him. So I'm like, what's his name? Then he give me another name. So this is like the third name. So now, again, don't know if it's a contact or what, but you lying. And you look scary and you look like you got some evil up in you and something's wrong with him. Did you do it? But I'm thinking this to myself, but you're not taking him. And I let him know you're not gonna take him. I'm not letting you take him. And Tina was like, we're not going anywhere. So at this point we're, remember it was like almost three blocks down. So from all this talking and struggling, we're like in the middle of 25th and state where we're going closer to like the corner of 25th and state because that's the direction you're going, not knowing that he lived next door to my auntie. I'm not knowing we going the same way, wow. don't know this. But regardless, if you was going, if he would have went that way, I would have followed him that way, I would have struggled with him that way, but it just happened to be the same way. So at this point, my kid's father is like wondering, and now he high, okay? Because that's what he do, bless his heart. So he comes and he's seeing like this man basically at my face, but in a, you know, like a aggressive, like you need to mind your business. This has nothing, you know, just being real aggressive with me. And he come, he like, mind just going, cause I guess the influence like, so he basically jumped down my throat and tell me I need to leave. I don't got nothing to do with this. He took it like this was, he believed him. Mm. This ain't got nothing to do with you, Nicole. They got this is this you need you mind you doing too much you need to mind your business come on we gotta go and I'm like mm -mm. I just didn't I'm like I'm not going nowhere I'm not I called 911 I'm not letting them take them I don't believe you know so me and him now we in this big old cahoots that which we stayed in anyway but at this time it was nothing he could do to say to make me leave so we're we're arguing and by this time he took him like probably about ten steps away from me and then he fell Conrad fell. And he grabbed him, Domino grabbed him up from the front so his rear was facing me. Mm -hmm. And that's where I seen the blood in his buttocks. Mm -hmm. So at this point, look, so he could tell, like, I can't say nothing else. So he gone because he don't want to have no type of conflict with no police officers or nothing. So he gone out the way. Tina's still right there. At this point, um, people started coming out of the apartments. Mm -hmm. Certain cars stopped, certain cars kept going. So now Domner is just like looking like, I guess like, I'ma just, you know, I'ma I'm wait, but I guess he had a plan because he couldn't take him. So at this point, Tina, um, my cousin Sandra was there now and Duna never came out the car. Um, we struggled more and we were in an alley Mm -hmm. So in this alley, it's a two-way alley. So we're in the middle of the alley. This is an opening for the alley, and the other end is an opening for the sure. alley. So now the police are looking for us to be on 25th Mistake, but right. we're nowhere. We're not there. We're, and right. it's a big old wall that's blocking the view. So if you're on 25th Mistake, you can't even see us. Right. So if you don't, and if you go past down 25th, if you don't look to your left or look to your right, you, you won't even see. So... A car was going down, a police car was going down the other end, which like was almost like a blocker and a half away. 
So I ran down. They was just, I guess, just pausing, looking. So I ran down there and flagged that car to come up. It was two squad cars. I don't know why they're not talking about it. It was two. So one from the other end, and then the one that was looking for us flew past the other end of the alley, which was closer to 25th. So at that point, I run down there and I flagged them and send them up. Now they get there before me because they in the car. I'm right. happy to run back right. and I'm all out of breath. I'm all messed up, but I need to, you know, let them know what's going on. So when I get up there, um, Tina done left because I guess, you know, the, I don't know, she left, but I'm right there. Three officers are there. Domner there. The fire truck has made it there. They covered Conorac up with a blanket. Um, he leaning on a po one of the police cars, and it's three officers, and they all talking to Jeffrey Dahmer. Okay. So um, I'm catching my breath because I've been running. So I'm catching my breath, and I just I say, excuse me. And he don't know him like he's saying because he called me. And he's like, I'll get to you, miss. Now, he did say that night. So I'm thinking like, okay, he will. I need to catch my breath anyway. So I'm thinking, okay. So I'm catching my breath. I'm like, thankful. I'm talking to Conrad. I'm telling him. He on a car just, you know, like rocking with the, with the blanket the fire truck put on him. So he thinking, too, he see the cars, he see the police officer. The, he thinking probably, too, he had to because that's what we were shooting for. Right. So um, they didn't ever say nothing about maybe five minutes. They didn't say nothing. So I went to the other officer and tapped him on his shoulder very, very light. Excuse me, officer. I'm like. He don't know him. I'm telling you, he don't know him because he, and I'm like, you take the blank. I'm trying to tell. And he's like, look, do you want to go downtown and tell, just me, do you want to go downtown and tell your story? Because you can go down near. I don't need you poking in my, I've been doing such and such for such and such years. I don't need an amateur poke. And I'm like, I dial 911. And I said, I will get to you. And they just like handling me like, like, I didn't down like I didn't like I not hadn't been there like I didn't flag them right. up there and right. I'm at this point I'm like I'm thinking like I'm maybe I'm, I'm tripping because I'm thinking I got a contact I'm thinking I'm tripping sure, because you're, why you're would how they how old at the time seventeen seventeen years so old. I'm thinking oh. why is they acting like this yeah. like something is did he some wrong with the the naked mm -hmm. boy mm -hmm. which I'm thinking like they got to see it I see it everybody else see it mm -hmm. Tina see it like. Mm -hmm. I'm call, I call y'all, I'm trying to tell, and they just, so about, I stood out there, let them talk, I'm talking about the conversation, one on Pat, Jeffrey Dummer on the back, he's saying, she's, she called me, he called me out my name, um, said that I was crazy because I was handling him when I wouldn't let him take him, so he painting this picture, right. this vicious picture of me, sure. which, yeah, you weren't taking him, so we, it was like that, but again, they were in more into what he talking about with me than what I called y'all about. So at this point, I'm thinking like, I, let me, I don't know my auntie well, but she adult, so mm -hmm. let me go get her. She right here. Mm -hmm. So at this point, I just go over to her apartment and tell her what's going on, and then I go back outside and everybody's gone. That fast. I, I don't doubt you, but unbelievable that they cleared scene that quickly. What about the fire department? They, they, they let them go. They told them they got it from here. They left. They left a blanket with Conorac, but they left. I got it. And the paramedics never came. So I don't know why they're saying that. They never came. So the, these three coppers that were there, they all came from the same squad car? No, it was two squad cars. Two separate squad I cars. I, I, I flagged two down, one okay. from one end, and the other one was the ditch batch okay. that was called from 9 one Sure, okay. Well, 
what a difference this would have made. Um, clearly, obviously, he killed Conrad later that day, shortly thereafter, and then he went on after that point to kill more people. Um, the story of Jeffrey Dahmer is really an interesting one, and there's so many mistakes or guffaws that took place in the city of Milwaukee. Obviously, the prosecutors and the judges before this could have put him away as well. Judge Gardner, for example. Well, he seems like a nice young man. I think that he has learned his lesson. We'll just let him go. So that was with, uh, if I'm not mistaken, with Conorak's brother that right. he had assaulted a right. few years earlier. Right. Um, if they would have ran a check, that would have popped if, up. If they would have run a check, that would have popped up. And so with so many other things as well. Uh, it, and I just can't begin to imagine what you have dealt with for the past 20 some odd years, almost 30 years. Um, and, and how this has to have such an impact upon oh, you and well, everything you've done. Well, yeah, it, 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 was, it, was, it made me look different at the police. And then being that um, they wanted to cover it up, how mm -hmm. they basically assassinated my character and um, just tried to get me to change my story. I was interviewed, antagonized so much, it was unreal. Yeah. Um, they wanted me to say things that weren't true they wanted me to co-host. I was even told by Chief Ariello that there was an accomplice with him and that I may need to go in protective custody and that I, I, I should be silent. I got call threat. I got threats. Uh, it was an accident. I need to accept it and leave it alone, such as like um, somebody had sent me a, uh, some cutout mail from a newspaper with a threat. I share all this with Chief Ariello and that's where he told me that he has an accomplice. And, um, I need to be careful in the protective custody. But I was a teen mom. I didn't want to do protective custody. Um, I had, I just want, I just was being honest as sure. a citizen to just be like, I was shocked with how they covered it up. You know, I would think that they would have been apologetic mm -hmm. to um, the family for, without a doubt and just owning it for what it was. But I guess, you know, when you 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 in that type of field, you, you you can cover up if you got the type of people to help you, and that's what they did. They chose to do it, and then they chose to bamboozle and and, and destroy my name. I was in an abusive relationship. I would call them, they would get my name, and they wouldn't do anything about it. I've been on my deathbed several times. I've been kidnapped, left for dead by my. You know, I went through some stuff. And like I said, they never did anything. There was restraining orders. They didn't honor. They get my name, and they just whatever. So I had this thing with I'm not going to even be able to call them, and why, you know, no matter what. So all I would do was just stay out the way. And then when I was diagnosed, I was diagnosed with cancer like a month or so before they found out about who he was. Mm -hmm. I was diagnosed with cancer fourth stage. So I was sick. I didn't know why I was sick, but I was sick. So um, when everything hit the fan. Um, I'm sad because he could have been saved. So I'm messed up with the fact that I, I, I thought I failed. Like I felt, I blamed myself for a long, long, long time, like a long time, because I was like, I should have just, I should have put him in the car, I should have took him to Mount Sinai. I should have took him to my auntie's house. I, she, you know, I went through all that for so long. Well, you're 17 years old, for God's sake. Yeah, so I went through that for a long time. And then the fact that I was sick and stuff like that, like mm -hmm. I couldn't, um, like I wanted to, to do more as far as to let the, the, the people know, but I kind of faded away. If you think, you know, if you look back, I kind of faded away. My auntie kind of was more or less um, the one who made the follow-up call. Like she was more or less, you know, pursuing it because I was ill and I, I wanted them to own it, but they never owned it. Like they never owned it. And so um, 
when when he got caught, like I didn't expect it to be that gruesome. Like I knew he was doing something wrong to counteract. Like I, you could tell from what I seen, I could tell. Um, the police should have been able to tell too, but when everything hit the fan about all those lies, like in the way that he like, like that, that never crossed my mind. He was like, I knew he was evil and doing something, but all that like mechanism, he was doing like stuff like movie crazy the type stuff. And everything else. Oh my yeah, god, you know what I'm saying? Right. That type of stuff right there just blew me away. Right. And I'm like, wow. So that coming to grips with like that and then like I should have just, you know, I just went through a lot with trying to deal with that. But um, I, I never I tried to get counseling, but it's all chain tied. Like this Milwaukee City Department, the Lord, like, I had a lawyer. They was trying to arrest me for stuff that I never did. Like they would take me to jail and was telling me I was going to go for such and such, but I had never been arrested before, so I, there was no fingerprint. So this is like a big cover-up that was Oh, yeah, this was the cover-up, yeah. Okay. They was taking me to jail for armed robbery, saying that I was a prostitute, that I did X, Y, and Z, and that I'm going to prison. So I got a lawyer, Christina Harris, bless her heart, wherever she is. Got Christina Harris. She was like, okay, you're going to be Jane Doe. They're, they're doing X, Y, and Z to cover things up, but... Um, you, you, your testimony is credible because it was such and such, so many victims after, and this, that, you know, so I'm, I'm taking her word. Plus, um, after I was diagnosed, I was told I had four months live. So when I didn't die, I'm so thankful and I'm still bitter though. I'm still bitter. So it's like a crazy combination. You happy and then you still so sad about this situation, but you happy about this situation. So it was just some, some, some emotions that I never really had and, I don't, it was hard to understand. So anyway, I just, I trusted her and was like, okay, so whenever they would contact me, I contact her and they was all working together because she ended up relocating and changing her number, okay? When they had came and said some stuff to me about a uh, deposition and how they was changing like my yes and no questions because um, how I could tell how they was doing it. I'm like, no, that, no, what are you, you know, how they, they was just trying to basically do it their way and try to alleviate some of the, the, the circumstances of what proved that they were negligent. So I went to talk to her about that. Her, her office was relocated. Her number didn't work. I have not heard from Christine Harris since then. So at this point, I'm going through all these emotions. I tried to get counseling. They got my name. They, they was on some terrible mess too, trying to, um, you know, basically try to act like something was mentally wrong with me to the point where could I have been mistaken about, um, you know, could I possibly uh, over-exaggerate it? And I'm thinking like, this ain't, this is, I'm so sure about that. I'm so sure about that. Like, there's no doubt about that. That's not what I'm here for. I'm here to try to get some closure. Like, I'm thinking I'm, I need to talk to somebody, you know, but that I never got nowhere with that. So I would write. So I would write, and that's how I was dealing with it. So I kept writing and writing, just more or less, not really even in chronological events, just writing to talk about it because I couldn't get the help that I was trying to seek. And then um, every year, you know, they talk about it, so I get depressed, and then, you know, that's Mother's Day. It stole my Mother's Day for a while, for my mother and for myself. Um, a word that would never be the same. <laughs> it, it'd never be the same. 
to be honest with you, this past year was the best I had. I got engaged to take, you know, I don't know, he didn't really know everything, but he in, he proposed that day. So he added a little something to take away from that day. So anyway, um, the fact that it came up and somebody basically was like, no, you know, you, you, I talked to like a stranger, somebody from, I just got it like last year that it's not my fault, for real, last year. I just got to the point where the person who said what they said to me made so much sense. They was like, no, it's not, you didn't do it. it the cops killed him, you know? And I just never looked at it like that. You know what I'm saying? But, but and they clearly don't, but that's what happened. They killed him. It wasn't my fault. I did what I could do. I did what I could do, and I did it. I really tried, and they the one who did it. So when I looked at it from that, I started healing in December is when I really started healing, in December of last year. So do you think it's more the cops killed him or like the system killed him? Well, the system. The system. The system yeah. failed him because he got away. Yeah, he sure he got away. He, sure he got away and he found some help to help him stay away. Right. And then they took him back and gave him back to where he came from. So right. that's exactly what it was. Right. The system. So do you think that they didn't pay attention to you because of your, you were 17, you know because what? you were a female, because well, you were not a police officer, because well, you were black? What do you, combination I think it's a combination. Or? I think right. it's a combination of the fact that I'm a black woman. I okay. feel the fact that, um, like, I don't really know about the, like, how people, like, I don't judge people for whatever reason, homosexuality. I'm, I've never been prejudiced. I know it exists, but it's not me. Mm -hmm. So I don't look at age or any of that type of stuff. So for me, for that night with them, only thing I could think of was they had to be racist because there was nothing else could to make somebody be so uh, interested in, in their job. Like, this is a part, this is what y'all get called out to do to take the statements. This is like, y'all ain't doing nothing, no extra. Y'all I'm not asking y'all to go over here. I'm not asking y'all to call nobody. It's right here in front yeah. of us. And all I'm just saying is let me just say this. And if you just listen and you will be able to let me get to the point to like, he bleeding. And if you look at the body lines, you could tell he don't want to go with them. And he called them three different names. Like, if you just right. let me just say, like, give me just a few seconds to get something out, you'll be able to put your thinking cap on right. to do that. So, yeah, I do think that they were racist. At one point, I was thinking, like, was they down with them? At one point, that crossed my mind. Like, where, did y'all go over there afterwards? Because I'm confused. Well, Cole, I got a different perspective for you that you might not be aware of. But would it change your mind if you knew that one of the officers was gay as well? Hmm. So why did I have that feeling? Well, I, you, you know, you're obviously a very intelligent woman, so I think you probably perceive something yourself. But do you, I, as I look back over the files and looked at this many times, and I think that there probably is a combination of things, but I think that it might be more swig in this one direction mm. because not that he's in on it, but he is simpatico to it, that mm. he is sympathetic to what was taking mm -hmm. place. So I would think that maybe that was more of a, a driving force mm -hmm. than that it was the cops, that you were black or female, mm. something else. I, Makes I, sense. I, think, I think that would, now in, in hindsight, that's what it says to me. Yeah, it makes but, a lot of sense. It does. Yeah. And that, yes. it crossed my mind because I just didn't understand the whole scenario that night. Like I, been, I had played it over so many times. Oh, like, man. And I, it was nothing I did or said that nothing. Right. Um, Tina left, so if she did smell like marijuana right. Right. or whatever, you know what I'm saying, sure. when she was talking, she was gone. Right. 
So now I'm talking to you. I didn't touch right. my lips. Right. So now what? Mm -hmm. Can I interject? Please. Uh, you mentioned when Dahmer first approached you, you know, he was very much wanting to get the child away mm -hmm. from you. You said you actually could feel evil. Like you yes. knew that there oh. was an evil intent. Yes, yes. When the police showed up and he started interacting with them, what did you think of his demeanor then? Well, his demeanor, how he um, rejected them to look at me as a biotol, um, basically an a angry black woman. You know, that's what he rejected, like projected to, to them to okay. focus that on sure. me. Like, she crazy, she did this, she hit me. Like, yeah, I did. I did all that. And guess what? And if I would have found a stick or a brick, I would have used that too because you weren't going to take them from me because I knew something wasn't right. Mm -hmm. So he had them just like, and they, you know, they, it seemed like that upset them that yeah. I basically, like they wanted to take me to jail for attacking him. Yep. That's what it seemed like. I thought they was going to take me to jail, to be honest with you. I did. I thought they was going to take me to jail because he was making it like he wanted to file some charges on me. Okay. I swear that's how I was feeling. So uh, it's like, a few days later, the story hits the paper that Conrack is missing, right? Yes, my, uh -huh. And then your your auntie aunt. calls, right? And yeah. she is, again, looking in this case. Bless her heart, yeah. Mm -hmm. And they do the same thing with her. Laughed on her the phone. Did you, did you ever hear that? No. No. Oh, yeah. Well, um, tell the truth, the whole truth, nothing but the truth. So anyway, my auntie, bless her heart, she didn't believe me when I came over there to tell her what happened, okay? Now, Sandra didn't see the blood or all that type of stuff. But when Sandra came out, Sandra saw Dominic, she saw the police and I told her everything, okay? When we, when we went back after they left, remember I went back and they were all gone and then Sandra went with me and I told her like, they gone now, but something is not right. Can you please call? I had the squad car number, one, the one in my head, 36, and the other one was 68, but they not owning that other one. But anyway, Sandra's like, Mom, can you please just call? Like, something, right? Like, she, she, believe me. Sandra, believe me. Mm -hmm. So, anyway, my auntie made the call. When she made the call, they assured her that everything was fine. It was a homosexual um, quarrel, boyfriend, 19, everything is fine. Um, she's like, Are you sure? I said, Yes, ma'am. I, I couldn't be sure enough. And da -da. so, when she got off the phone, she said, You made me sound like a damn fool. That's what she said to me. Bless her heart. Okay. She put me out her apartment. She put me out her apartment that night. And when I left, I was, it's a bunch of stairs. So I'm just walking and I'm just, I'm still messed up because I just know something ain't right. Yeah. And I'm just hoping that my kids father them out here somewhere because they parked out of sight. So when I got down there, I was just at the sidewalk, just like, like, why would I? She, why would she really didn't? But she don't really know me, you know? So I'm right. creating excuses right. because we just found out we were, we just found oh, out, you know? Yeah. We just found out, you know? And then again, you know, people stereotype people, you know what I'm saying? She knew like I was from the projects, Latin Park, you know what I'm saying? She probably was stereotyping me thinking I was somebody to be on some exaggerate, you know, just yeah. derogatory, create, you know, you just, yeah. you never know. So I'm like, Okay, well, maybe because she don't know me or whatever, but she did call. But the fact that you would, you know, be like, just believe, like, but she believed him. Anyway, a couple of days later, she called me. She said, ask me, can I come over? And I was kind of like, 
Because um, she's so, she was so beautiful. You know, she was just a, her. She, she, yeah, I was so happy to find my people. They were like presents to me, you mm -hmm. know, and I had longed for them and I was just thankful, you know, and when she called me, I was just, I was happy and um, I didn't know what she wanted. She didn't say, she just asked me, can I get over there? And I called my kid's father and he took me over there. And when I got there, she pulled out a cut out piece of newspaper and she said, is this the boy that you see? And I said, yes, it is. She said, are you sure? I said, I'm positive. Cassandra wasn't 100%, 100%, sure. but I was. So when I told her that, that's when she, you know, started making, you know, the moves and this and, that and this and that to, like, she felt bad. I believe she felt bad. Like, oh my God, like, you were telling the truth. And he missing. And, you know, and then when they hit the fan with everything, like, like, it drove her into it. Like she, like the, when I met her, she was a drinker, like, you know, just from visiting her and then seeing her at that. Mm -hmm. But it seemed like that made it worse when everything came out. Just, you know, she was oh, devastated sure. by it. Like she couldn't, like it blew her mind, blew Sandra's mind, it blew my mind. Mm -hmm. You would think it blew the cops' mind to the point that they would be like, you know, you would thought they would be in psychiatric because I was almost there. I was almost there. How, it's really y'all fault. So why y'all not going through nothing? Yeah, having, having met the players in this, I would tell you that it has had an impact. Collateral damage was on everybody. So there's no question about that. It, it had an impact on everybody that he touched. Yeah. So, uh, and how could it not, right? Yeah. 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 So, yeah. So, yep, it was, uh, it was something. I remember when um, I went to cosmetology school and we worked on mannequins. Mm. Um, it was a, cause his haircut, he had a very precise haircut. Mm. I cracked up. Oh. I cracked up. So, um, by the grace of God, I, um, I did so good on my written, but I, the haircut told, I couldn't even, I choked up, was messed up and, um, the, the haircut and the, the mannequin looked so much like him, it just blew me away. I just, you know, I really had needed some healing, some therapy, you know what I'm saying? Because my mom at the time, she couldn't console me. My father wasn't here. And then at one point, my auntie act like she, like she was on something else, you know, like it wasn't, now she, I don't know, like it was a different type of something that she was on. It wasn't. Right. Like she, if she felt that way, how do you think I feel? You didn't even see him. So how do you think I feel? So it was just, it was messed up. But I'm going to tell you, if I wasn't a strong person, if I didn't have this relationship with God, like I have that I've had since I was six years old, I would be a complete fruitcake right now. Complete fruitcake. Understandably. Yeah. Very understandably. Ah, uh, geez. Um, I'm thrilled to see that you have recovered and you are doing yep, as well I as am, you have. I you am. come to terms with this. I'm sorry that you lost, you know, 20 some odd years in yeah. the process to get there, and the impact on your family and everyone else has to be just be significant. It's uh, it just exposes to me the problems that we're having today are not new problems on any side. Uh, there's a lack of communication. There's a lack of respect taking place on all sorts of levels. Um, but I, and I, I don't do obviously criminal investigations, but I've got to imagine that that's got to be a mess anyway. When you you encounter the, these types of things on a regular basis, you've got to be cynical and jaundiced when you walk into something, and that probably has an impact on your ability to listen to other people. Though you certainly should, because you're collecting information, right? Right. Mm -hmm. 
and uh, certainly somebody who was there before you got to the scene. But I, I, you know, I can I can understand what a what a mess every part of, of every homicide is, and then you get something of this magnitude with someone like Dahmer, who everything I've read and researched, he has been incredibly silken-tongued, and he's able to get himself out of all situations. It's crazy. He was just well, he was that, Definitely. but he. He was as, as if he had some other power and ability to talk idea. to people, to guide yeah. him, that yeah. just mesmerized people yeah. he talked to. Ain't that something? I thought that too. I was like, so, I actually wrote him um, when he was in prison, uh, anonymous name, okay. and I, I actually um, told him about God. And I don't know if you have a relationship, mm -hmm. but you need to get one. And I, you know, I just let him know who I was that night. I don't know if he ever got the letter. Of course, he never. Uh, reply because that was the only type of some type of closure that I could find around right. that time because I couldn't sure. get anything from anybody else. Like I said, the lawyer was gone. My auntie was like, she talking about movies, books. Her mind is somewhere else. Yeah, you know. So that that did a little something, and then I was, you know, I was, I thought I was like on my way to just totally being better, and you know, because I've always did hair. So I started my first business in two thousand eight. So I was interviewing accountants and this one account that I interviewed, I gave him my real name because I was, you know, Cola Styles is an interesting name. It's the name that I adopted to basically forget to try to bury the past. Right. So, but he was going to be my account. So he had to get my real name. So we in Applebee's at Midtown, I'm interviewing accountants and this particular one, when I gave him my name, he looked as if he seen a ghost mm. and he said, Nicole Childress. Say yes, and he was like, and you know, I kind of it slipped my mind because you know I have been really on my way. I really like love hair, and mm -hmm. I was this is my first business, so I was really on a highlight, high point in my life that I, you know, as besides being a mom, I was on cloud nine. I had a grandbaby on the way. I was just on cloud yeah. nine. So for for him to take me back, it was like oh god. And how he took me back was Nicole Childress. He's like, were you the one who? I didn't want to talk about. I never wanted to talk about. I'm like, I'm like, he's like, they said you were dead. They said that you were. It's a file this thick, a police report that they found you in the alley somewhere on Kilbourne, OD, with a needle in your arm. He said that's why we couldn't find you for court. We looked for you. Hmm. We looked for you. I said what? I pulled up. I said, I never did. I've ne I said, you know, people, I said, I've been afraid of drugs. I made a pack when I was six. I was like, for real. And then this is the other thing, too, that blew my mind. And since we're talking, I'm going to just go on and talk and tell it all. My kid's father had went to prison, mm -hmm. bless his heart, for a homicide, right? From my understanding, they was told he was facing something to life, okay? They found him guilty, da 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 right? Why did this prosecutor, bless his heart, and he stole some money from me, why did he tell me that my kids, that's how he got out of jail. He went with the story that I was dead and that I was a prostitute on heroin that they found dead in the alley on Kilbourne with a needle in my arm. And I could, that's, that's, that's what he said is in the paperwork. I said, oh my God. So, now me and him, we on a whole different type of conversation. It ain't even about accounting no more. It's about what? For real? He said, yes, they, they covered, they, that's what they did. They did that. So at this point, I was telling him, you know, I had been writing for therapy, and he really talked me into publishing 
he the one who really talked me into like, you should, you should do it. But he was like, you should call it such and such. I was like, well, my life, that's a part of my life, but I'm not going to create a book to say his name first. I'm not going to, you know what I'm saying? That's not what I'm trying to do. Mm-hmm. I wrote it to, I was writing about my life from six to 32. So it was basically my healing from everything that I went through. And I've been through a lot. You know, I'm here from cancer. I've been blind. I can see again. You know, I was just basically letting people know God is real and he heals because that's what he's did for me. You know, and ironically, I went through what I went through and I blame myself. But um, God, you know, got me over that and stuff like that. But anyway, the man, the the DA, who was an ex-prosecutor, told me that. And it just blew my mind. And for my kid's father to have went along with that. And he never said nothing, of course. When he got out, he told me they was coming talking to him, but he never told me, like, like he had to say this or do this to get his freedom. Like, I mean, I wanted him to have his freedom, too, but I didn't know I was going to have to be, like, slandered like that for you to get it. And then, right. if so, maybe you could at least told me. Right. Do you have to remember who you worked with at the DA's office? Um, no. only person name that I remember clearly was Christina Taylor Harris okay. was the lawyer, um, yeah. was the lawyer. Um, I had so many people coming to talk to me. Like I left home at 17 to get away yeah. because they kept popping up. Yeah. They kept popping up. Yeah. And um, news people like Oprah called me, Gerardo, Donahue, like all those people right. called me. But I was so messed up. I didn't want to talk about right. it. I didn't oh. want to talk about it. It makes perfect sense, Cola. A 17-year-old going through something like that is horrific. Yeah, I didn't want to talk about it. So, yeah. And he, um, you know, my kid's father, bless his heart, he never admitted it or whatever, but I kind of, I feel it in my soul. And so we're, we haven't been on good terms since, since then. You know, he's in his father, his, he's a father to his children, he's in their life, and he's in his grandkids' life, but that just blew me away. You know, and I know freedom is important. I know it is. I know it is, and I don't know. I guess people would do whatever they need to do for freedom. What price? Uh, did you and your, your uh, aunt ever get back together? You know what? Bless her heart. You know, when all that stuff was going on and I had disappeared because the media and how they kept coming, and when my lawyer disappeared, I really felt like I needed to lay low. Mm-hmm. You know, because although um, it wasn't cancer, I had ended up having hip replacement, so I had to to learn how to walk and do all that sure. again. So um, my auntie, you know, if I wasn't doing nothing that was doing some type of like spectating with that situation, mm-hmm. she didn't really want to have nothing to do with it. You know, mm-hmm. she wouldn't even come take me to the doctor for real. Mm-hmm. Like, and my father was looking for me because like I said, we, I just found my people at 17. Right. So when all this stuff was going on, like I don't, like I didn't watch the news. I didn't pay attention to any of that stuff. So I don't know if it was in the news or what, but my father was worried about me. My father came up here looking for me because mm-hmm. he lived in Jackson. Mm-hmm. Do you know that my auntie told him she didn't know where I was at? Mm. And she knew exactly where I was at. Mm. So no, I haven't, we never, no, we didn't. And my father passed June 7th, no, June 9th, 2007. And she was at his funeral. That's when I seen her. That's when I seen her. It's crazy the amount of cover-ups that are beyond just the prosecutors, the judges, the police, the, everything that has taken place. It just keeps going on and on. That's that's incredible. I'd have to ask a question since your aunt lived next door to Dahmer, right? Did she ever talk about the smells that were taking place there? No. 
No, I mean, she never mentioned it herself, but um, other people did, but she never did. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Wild. Yeah, but she never mentioned it. Well, again, I'm, I'm thrilled that you came down today, and I am, uh, you know, you filled in so many pieces of what we've researched on this, but I can't imagine just that what you've had to deal with for the last two decades. Yeah. Um, but you have, you're strong. You're a very strong, yeah, smart woman, good. and you've God. gotten through, and you believe your faith is, I'm yes. sure, over the top. been everything for you. Over the top. Great meeting you. Bless you. Thank, Thank you, you so much, Thank Cola. you. Thank you. Well, this certainly has been a, uh, a very interesting interview and a very harrowing interview in many ways. Uh, my gosh, the, uh, the scars from that night, the collateral damage had to be significant amongst everybody. Um, I know the officers whom were involved, I know that the toll that's taken upon them, I see the toll that it's taken upon this young lady here. I've heard other stories about other facets as well, uh, both from the prosecutors and the judicial side of things. Um, and in, in all the research that we continue to do for the Cream City Cannibal Tour at Shakers, um, it, it just occurs to me more and more that this, something happened to this young man that had an otherwise normal beginning. And then it's almost as if, I don't want to say something demonic, but as if he was able to just have such a silver tongue that it, it like put a mist over people's ears and eyes and, and made them not see things or to delude them in a different way. It was uh, truly um, Rasputin-esque in many ways. And uh, you know, the stories continue on. And one of the reasons that our, I think that our tour is as well regarded as it is internationally is because we continue to ask the questions, we continue to research, we continue to uh, improve the product with as many historical facts as we can. Uh, clearly, as this is now getting on a long way from the 1980s and early 90s, uh, some people that are very crucial to this have passed on. Uh, but to find those few that, we, uh, that do exist still, they have very poignant recollections and memories. Um, and it has been a, a challenge to get some to come to the forefront and talk to us because they just want to let that stay buried in the past. I, however, think that uh, it's important to embrace as much of history as you can, uh, good, bad, and ugly portions of it. I like to think that uh, we as a people are able to grow and to learn from the past and to, uh, to move ahead and to try to make this a better world for all. Um, I think it, to be a revisionist and to hide things away is, is not is not good for anyone, certainly not good for society, not good for actual individual people. I think that the ability to let some things out is important in its cathartic abilities. Um, again, I'm glad that you joined us today, and I, I hope that you enjoy the series. Uh, again, my name is Bob Weiss, and we are Shaking Your World on the Shakers Channel. Cheers.